Greetings and welcome to the iFormerX podcast, where we explore the evidence that informs ambulatory care pharmacy practice. This is Stuart Haynes, the host of the iFormerX podcast, and we've got another terrific episode for you today. Over the past few weeks, we've been experimenting with a slightly different podcast format, which we hope you like. Be sure to rate us and send us your feedback. About a year ago, we posted a commentary and a podcast about the CARES study, which examined the cardiovascular safety of allopurinol and febuxostat, two of the most commonly prescribed agents for the chronic treatment of gout. And that study suggested that perhaps febuxostat use might lead to more cardiovascular events. But the study had some pretty serious limitations. Uh, Moreover, we know that hyperuricemia is associated with an increased risk of cardiovascular events, so it's possible that febuxostat is safe, but allopurinol is cardioprotective in some way. Clearly, we need more data to determine whether febuxostat is harmful, neutral, or protective from a cardiovascular point of view. Uh, The recently published FAST study, or the febuxostat versus allopurinol streamed line trial, and and I'm not making that up, folks, that's the name of the study, might shed some additional light on this important question. And joining me today to talk about the FAST study, and they are returning guests, as well as the authors of the CARES study commentary last year, are Dr. Sophie Dietrich and Dr. Michael Nagy. So Dr. Dietrich is currently with Park Pharmacy in Detroit, Michigan, and Dr. Nagy is on faculty with the Medical College of Wisconsin School of Pharmacy and practices at the Zablocki VA Medical Center in Milwaukee. And joining us today to provide some additional perspective on this study is one of our editorial board members and a a frequent contributor to iFormRx, Dr. Don Fouquet. Dr. Fouquet is a clinical pharmacy specialist in primary care in the Providence Medical Group in beautiful Portland, Oregon. So Sophie, Michael, Dawn, welcome to the iFormerX podcast. Thanks, Stuart. I'm happy to be back on the podcast. Always happy to contribute and listen to iFormerX. Thank you for inviting me back again, Stuart. So before we talk about the FAST study, I want to talk briefly about what we know about the risk of cardiovascular events in people with gout. So Dawn, I'm going to address this first question to you. Is hyperuricemia an independent risk factor for cardiovascular disease or just a risk marker? And second, is there any evidence that treating hyperuricemia actually reduces cardiovascular risk? At this time, hyperuricemia is defined as a uric acid level above 7 milligrams per deciliter in men and 6 in women, and it has been found in patients with untreated or pronounced hypertension for quite some time, and then in some cases associated with resistant hypertension. But it was only recently that a significant correlation between hyperuricemia and cardiovascular conditions and cardiovascular events has been confirmed, and that's after adjusting for any other confounders. I don't quite know that it's in that there's enough data to say that it's a strong cardiovascular risk factor quite yet, but having this association has led to investigations to determine if lowering uric acid levels would correlate with a decrease in cardiovascular outcomes. So I would generally say listen in and see what more we can learn from the two studies. 
So, Michael, let's revisit the CARES study for just a moment. Uh, the CARES study, which was published, and it's hard to believe, three years ago now, back in 2018, and it did raise some concerns about Febuxostat use. Can you give us a brief summary of the CARE study and what you view as the major limitations and unanswered questions from that study? CARES was a 6,000 participant, 32-month randomized double-blind multicenter in non-inferiority cardiovascular outcome trial. Patients with gout and a history of cardiovascular disease, which that was defined as our standard cardiovascular disease plus diabetes with evidence of microvascular or macrovascular complications were included and either randomized to receive febuxostat or allopurinol. And those doses were titrated to target based on the uric acid level. The CARES primary outcome was a composite endpoint of cardiovascular death, uh, myocardial infarction, non-fatal stroke, and urgent revascularization due to uh, unstable angina. And the primary outcome actually demonstrated non-inferiority between the two different groups. However, what caused concern for healthcare community was the secondary endpoints, and that was cardiovascular death, as well as all-cause mortality. And both of those showed a significant difference between the febuxostat group and the allopurinol group, with more death occurring in the febuxostat group. And a general uh, difference was about 1% between groups with a number needed to harm right around 70 uh, to 80 between the two groups. And so that caused a lot of concern. There was a little bit of exploration in subgroup analysis. And what they found was with febuxostat, uh, the issues occurred most often if patients weren't taking a low-dose aspirin or if they were using NSAIDs. And so those were a couple other factors that, that came out of that study. Now, when we look at the limitations, there were a number of them. And the most prominent ones would probably be the design. So they used uh, intention to treat analysis to look at the non-inferiority study, which increases that risk of wrongly claiming non-inferiority. Also, another large limitation was the high dropout rate. Uh, so about 56% of patients did not complete the study, and that extends the concern for the accuracy of findings in CARES and if they really ascertained the outcome events that they thought they found. So another piece that makes it a little bit complicated was the other three secondary CVD outcomes. So the non-fatal myocardial infarction, the non-fatal stroke, and the revascularization between the groups were similar. And most of the deaths actually occurred after the treatment was stopped. So with all of that in mind and that there was no untreated control group, it means that we really couldn't figure out if there was cardiovascular risk with febuxostat or not. So I'm wondering how the CARE study impacted your practices. Were practitioners that you work with or patients that you've known, were they more reluctant to use febuxostat? Did its use become more restricted on your formularies? You know, we all know that allopurinol isn't a benign drug and, and some patients simply can't tolerate it. So having an alternative agent available seems pretty important, but perhaps practitioners and patients were 
turning to alternative ways to treat gout? Yeah, that's a, a good question. So the VA, due to cost, always had febuxostat as second line. Currently, febuxostat is considered non-formulary, and it actually includes a rather lengthy discussion of the CARES trial evidence within that criteria for use when we consider prescribing febuxostat. So any provider that wants to can look in there, and, and there's a lot of detail about the CARES trial. And in the VA, while cardiovascular disease is not an outright exclusion criteria. The guidance is similar to what the 2020 ACR guidelines say in that there should be shared decision-making and consider using or switching to allopurinol in patients that have cardiovascular disease. And in my practice, we have a multitude of different insurances, commercial, Medicaid, um, Medicare, as well as uninsured patients. And I haven't found that providers used Febuxostat very often in the first place. Um, as Michael said, it is a it's usually considered to be a second-line agent or a step therapy agent, or on occasion, it requires a prior authorization. So I don't necessarily know that the care study, study in and it of itself made a difference in the utilization of febuxostat. Allopurinol is still used first line with febuxostat if a patient's unable to tolerate allopurinol. So let's now take a look at the FAST study. And I don't know that this study is going to change the dynamics here, but I think it was really critical to look at it because it adds some additional information in our understanding. So the FAST study was published in November 2020 in the Lancet, and the official title of the study is Long-Term Cardiovascular Safety of Febuxostat Compared with Allopurinol in Patients with Gout Fast, a Multicenter Prospective Randomized Open-Label Non-Inferiority Trial. And, and we provide a link to that study on our website, but Sophie, I'm hoping you'll give us a brief summary of the study methods and its major findings. So as you mentioned, Stuart, the FAST trial was a three-and-a-half-year perspective, randomized, open-label endpoint, non-inferiority trial. Patients enrolled in the study were from the UK, Denmark, and Sweden. Patients included in the trial were 60 years and older, already receiving allopurinol with at least one additional cardiovascular risk factor. However, if a patient had a heart attack or a stroke within the last six months or has congestive heart failure classified as NYHA 3 and 4, or even severe renal impairment, they cannot be included in the study. The baseline characteristics between each group were nearly even. However, the allopurinol group did have a slightly higher number of patients with a history of diabetes. Allopurinol was started at 100 milligrams daily, which mirrors the current 2020 ACR guidelines and was optimized to achieve a goal serum urate level of less than six milligrams per deciliter while febuxostat was initiated at 80 milligrams a day and optimized to 120 milligrams daily if needed to achieve serum urate goal. FAST had a primary composite endpoint of cardiovascular death, hospitalization from non-fatal myocardial infarction, or biomarker positive acute coronary syndrome, or non-fatal stroke. The primary composite endpoint determined febuxostat to be non-inferior to allopurinol. And moreover, Pabuxostat was deemed non-inferior to allopurinol when assessing all-cause death during the FAST trial. 
So stated simply, the FAST trial concluded that when assessing primary cardiovascular endpoint, babuxostat was not inferior to allopurinol and not associated with increased risk of death or serious adverse events. So we know every study has strengths and limitations. What do you all think are the key strengths of the FAST study? And are there any sources of bias or perhaps confounders that you believe could have influenced the study results? And we'll be talking about generalizability of the study in a moment, but I'm, I'm wondering what's the study's internal validity? So one of the strengths of the FAST trial was the pre-specified non-inferiority margin that was supported by past trials and standard of care. The authors of the trial used a per-protocol analysis, which helped to minimize misinterpreting non-inferiority. And another apparent strength of the trial was that the FAST trial included appropriate titration of allopurinol to gold dose based on the response of serum urate levels. So this aligns with the current ACR guidelines, and moreover, titrating allopurinol before switching to febuxostat matches current standard of care. And being that the trial was open label, um, this allowed providers to realistically dose adjust based on serum urate levels. This strength allows us to extrapolate the findings to current standard of care and use them in our practice. So I'd like to point out that another strength of the trial was the duration and the size. It was just over 6,000 patients. Um, and as we're looking at cardiovascular outcomes, we there's a trend towards needing longer and larger trials because we've gotten so dialed in with traditional therapies like statin, antiplatelets, blood pressure, et cetera. It's great, but it also means that identifying any other therapeutic areas to target becomes more difficult without a large trial or a long duration of follow-up. So in, in terms of weakness for FAST, the febuxostat group had approximately double the discontinuation rate than the alpirinol group. And this was about 30% for febuxostat and about 15% for alpirinol. And this is likely due to the CARES trial publication that came out in 2018, which was in the middle of the FAST trial itself. And the open label nature allowed providers to stop febuxostat therapy. Now, thankfully, study authors conducted both an on-treatment or per-protocol analysis as well as intention-to-treatment analysis. And by doing it this way, it leads to uh, consistent results first off. So it's not like there's differences between the two analyses. And this also minimizes that concern for confounding with that significant difference in discontinuation between the two groups. Another limitation would be the open label nature itself, potentially leading to bias. And while uh, this did lead to that difference in discontinuation rate, the primary outcome consisted of hard endpoints and also had adjudicators that were blinded to the treatment group. Now, uh, in terms of significant limitations of FAST that might impact the interpretation, first, it should be pointed out that uh, FAST had a generally healthier population when compared to the CARES trial. So at baseline, only 33% of FAST participants had established cardiovascular disease. Another 22% had diabetes of some sort, and only 4% had heart failure, but that excluded those stage three and four. And in comparison, the CARES trial required cardiovascular disease at baseline and included heart failure at any stage. So this may have led to 
the cardiovascular event rate being lower in fast than anticipated. And the authors actually pointed out that they didn't meet their power. So they didn't meet the number of primary outcome events that they were hoping to. And so the FAST trial was slightly underpowered. They did specify um, in the discussion that they were, instead of 80% power, only met at 77% power. Well, let's talk about the application of this study to practice. Uh, First, I think we can all agree that the study population isn't terribly diverse. Uh, Nearly all the participants were white Europeans and the vast majority were males. Uh, Now, perhaps it's okay that there's a lot of white males in the study because, well, who develops gout? Uh, A lot of white males. But I think the biggest question for me is, is this study compelling enough to allay any fears that febuxostat is harmful from a cardiovascular point of view? And would you be reluctant to recommend using febuxostat if a patient was unable to tolerate allopurinol, for example? Um, Yeah, so while interpreting FAST, I think the first thing that I I wanted to address is that I felt like I had some confirmation bias. After reviewing CARES, I guess I questioned um, a little bit about the quality of that evidence back in 2018. And so the first thing I had to do was kind of set aside my preconceived notions when interpreting this result. So in the end, I feel like these results from FAST do support the use of febuxostat after allopurinol failure, really regardless of history of ASCVD. From CARES, I I think it's appropriate that you could consider for patients that have ASCVD to make sure that they're on a low-dose aspirin, which most should be already, and to consider choosing colchizine or prednisone over NSAIDs as prophylaxis for acute flares. So after reading both the CARES and the FAST trials, it's evident that there's some conflicting information out there regarding the safety of febuxostat in patients with a history of ASCVD. But I agree with Michael, and after assessing strength and weaknesses of both trials, I would consider febuxostat to be a viable option in patients who don't tolerate allopurinol and have a history of ASCVD. And I agree with both Michael and Sophie, febuxostat would continue to be a second-line option I would also add cost and coverage to the factors that they already mentioned. Um, So in terms of changing practices, I don't necessarily know that the FAST study has caused any major changes to practice. However, it may alleviate some of the fears and concerns that came up with the CARES trial, just given the limitations of CARES. Oh, and one more thing to add in here. So Um, In terms of the fact that FAST and CARES uh, seem to be a little bit contradictory and still leave us with this unanswered question, thankfully, on the horizon, there's actually a couple trials that uh, everyone should look out for. One is called the All Heart Trial, and this one is going to happen in the United Kingdom that looks at allopurinol versus placebo in patients with cardiovascular disease to look at those cardiovascular outcomes. And there's a second trial, which I believe is in Japan, that's called the LEAF-CHF trial that's going to be looking at patients with heart failure and seeing if febuxostat is potentially beneficial in those patients. So I think both of those trials will hopefully clear up some of the confusion that both the CARES trial and FAST trial have left us with. 
So, Sophie, Michael, Don, um, I want to thank all of you for joining me today to discuss the treatment of gout and the potential benefits uh, and harms of xanthine oxidase inhibitors, the two of them, L-purinol and Fibuxostat. I don't think we have a clear answer yet as to whether treating gout or hyperuricemia has beneficial effects from a cardiovascular standpoint because so far, none of these trials included a placebo group. So I think there still remains a lot of questions. However, the FAST trial does, I think, provide some evidence that at least Fibuxidat is not harmful from a cardiovascular standpoint. Well, tell us what you think. Only iFormRx members can leave comments and access our resource pages. Uh, you can become a member of iFormRx. It's free, so sign up today. And if you are a board-certified ambulatory care pharmacist, I've got good news. This, this podcast and written commentary are available for board recertification credit through the American Pharmacists Association's Ambulatory Care Board Recertification Program. And if you'd like to learn more about that program, just click on the link at the bottom of the written commentary posted on the iFormerX website. And lastly, a special thanks to the many volunteers who make iFormRx possible. A special thank you to Brittany Schmidt at South College School of Pharmacy in Knoxville, Tennessee. Uh, Brittany has been a frequent contributor to iFormRx and has recruited new authors, residents, and students. And I'm so grateful to you, Brittany, for your thoughtful contributions to our community of practice and for helping your learners discover iFormRx too. Well, until next time, this is Stuart Haynes, Editor-in-Chief of iFormRx, signing off.